Our guest today is Michael Walsh, founder of CareLoop, a digital caregiver support company based right here in Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Hubert. Thanks for having me. Always fun to talk to you. Well, it's, it's great to see you in person again as well. And for those who listen on the podcast, um, hear your voice. Obviously, we go back a long uh, while because you joined Help Law Cutters uh, Class 1 in 2013. And your company has grown and grown and grown. But we're not here to talk about where you are today uh, without first filling in how you got to where we are today. And that's kind of the, the founder story aspect here. So let's just get to the to the beginning. Tell us a little bit about how it all started. Yeah, well, I mean, the, it, we could go back really far back in time. Me and my co-founder, Steve Beesfeld, we've been buddies since we were t-ball i mean five years old so that's how far it goes back for the two of us but uh, you fast forward a number of years us being in school together and in high school and going off to college and each you know starting our careers uh, there was a, a window of time between i don't know call it 2006 2007 and uh, even as late as 2009 2010 where each of our families went through uh, some pretty traumatic uh, medical events. I mean, for me, it was with my my grandfather. For Steve, it was with his uh, future father-in-law. And each of us had a chance to experience personally what what you go through as a caregiver, you know, um, a family member when one of the, the people that you love is going through a hard time and just how everybody has to kind of rally around that person and really kind of jigger their lives around with work and with kids and everything else going on. So this was our, our first introduction into what the journey of a caregiver is like. And um, Steve and I set out to to make a change for the way that families and caregivers and parents navigate through a really complicated and complex maze and puzzle of decisions when they're when they're going through a situation like what Steve and I went through. So as you mentioned, that was uh, a long time ago. It's been a really amazing journey ever since. Tell our audience a little bit about what the company does. And, and also maybe let's let's get into it a little bit on, is that how it started. I mean, obviously the, the intent to help people was there from the beginning, what you just told me, but, yeah. but then roll back and tell me. Yeah. You've got uh, obviously some inside baseball knowledge of, of kind of how this has gone. You've had a front row seat through all of it, but yeah, I mean, today here we call CareLoop the world's first human powered caregiver support platform, as you mentioned in the, in, in the introduction. Uh, so what it is, it's a HIPAA and SOC 2 compliant digital platform that pairs caregivers and parents with their very own dedicated healthcare or educational professional. So call it a nurse, a social worker, a therapist, a case manager, someone who is going to go on that caregiving journey with you and your entire family, almost in a telemedicine type of, of experience and format, whereby any challenge you run into trying to navigate and, and coordinate providers and insurance and medication management and legal documentation and all the financial decisions related to all this, like you have a professional that goes on that journey with you. Um, they can be responsive to you and your family through our platform in a matter of minutes. So really transformative experience if you're going through this where the system is asking these caregivers to make split second decisions and you don't have all the information. So to have a care loop care coach there with you, uh, it's really, really powerful. So, but to your point, it didn't start off this way. I think the mission, as you well know, was always to to support and help caregivers. But you know, you're real familiar with this, going back to our days in Health Wildcatters. The the way we initially went to market and tested, originally it was actually more focused on helping caregivers locate and find the right providers. When caregivers were coming onto our platform for the first time, 
and we were trying to help facilitate that process, what we discovered was, was that finding providers was but one small piece of a larger tapestry of issues that they were trying to solve mm-hmm. for. And it's kind of tough to feel confident making a decision about a long-term care facility if you don't also feel confident about the 10 other things that you have to solve for mm-hmm. as well. And we weren't helping them at that point. It was all technologically based. There was no human component. So as you mentioned, there was a pivot that we went through and call it 15, 16, 17, to really evolve this model to blend the humanity of this process with the technology. And so we've been really focused on uh, creating that blend ever since and really crafting that. I mean, would, would that transition have been your toughest? If you had to single out the one thing that, that, that where you felt like most stressed out or most the toughest moment for the company, what, what would you... I think every year since we founded the company has presented unique and complicated challenges. Um, and I think that's probably fairly representative of every founder's journey. You know, it's tough to fixate on just one thing. I think it probably ties into some other things that you, you wanted to chat with me about, just as it relates to, you know, going through an accelerator program, raising your first round of capital, like, especially as a first time entrepreneur, like that experience of meeting with investors and really showing them what your vision is and going out to market and realizing that things didn't quite work out the way you drew it up on paper. (laughs) So to have to go back to a lot of our early investors, and I know you remember this time to explain what was, what we believe to be incorrect about some of our assumptions uh, it was an incredible opportunity and, and learning and growth opportunity for me and Steve, just in that it wasn't just about talking about what we thought was wrong, but it was also explaining what we could see needed to change so it could be right. And I think that's something that uh, I would give the advice to any founder and entrepreneur is, is to make sure you're really being honest with yourself and the people around you, not just with what's wrong with it, but making sure you've got a clear and concrete path to to correct it. So yeah, that was definitely a a challenging time. Uh, A lot of lessons learned, but ultimately we made the right moves. I think we can say that now in retrospect, Mm because I think the market received the changes well, and we've been up, up and up ever since. So, I mean, obviously that was a, that was a tough moment. And what you're describing is going back to the very same investors that gave you money or those and some other ones and saying, yeah, give me more, give me more money because now we figured out a better way to do this. By the way, the one, the money you gave us is all gone now, but we learned a lot of really interesting things. <laughs> now we're going to do it better. So give me more. And I mean, basically, in most cases, this is the end of the startup. It's just, I mean, it's a testament to you and your, your leadership and your leadership team to be able to pull that off. It's also a testament to the strength of the investors that originally invested in you because when it comes down to it at the beginning, they loved your vision, your passion. And I always say the passion has to be there. It's got to be there. Because when that moment comes and the model doesn't work, they will not doubt that you still have the passion and the vision. And it can't always work on the first try. Would that be your observation too, as far as going back to your original investors? And I think so. With with one adjustment to the narrative specific to Caroloop. And I know I'm, I'm asking you to go back in ancient history now, but I think the one thing that we did really well in all of that, even as hard as it was to go back to the original investors and describe what we could observe as some of the challenges we were having uh, was, was that, again, as I mentioned, we could point out where we needed to go 
And it, but it wasn't just as, as simple as here's where we got to go and we need more money to do it. We actually, we still had some of the cash from the original seed round and we were very meticulous with showing them here's how much we have left and here's how we're going to make every dollar count to achieve what we would call success for this next iteration of, of the path. And being able to outline that for everybody and then over the course of six, nine months execute, that's what garnered the trust, I think, then to go back and say, now we need a little bit more. We've, we've, we've made the pivot. We've turned the corner. What we're doing is working. Um, now we just need some extra gasoline just to prove this out even further and set a new hypothesis that we can go out there and show. So I think that's something we did really well during that time period. And But you're right. I think there's a lot of founding teams that probably wouldn't have called out the challenges as early as we did. They would have gone all the way to the end, run out of money mm. and then said, hey, we got to change this. I think we called it early enough to make the pivot. And I've said this before, Hubert, like if we waited another couple of months, we might not have made it. Yeah, it's quite possible we would have died. I think we both agree that great things happen to people who prepare well, uh, whether you call it luck or not. Uh, it's the same as you can only win if you put an entry ticket into a, a competition. So same principle here. So obviously you were prepared. But what on the positive side would have been your biggest surprises along the way? When I think about the most incredible things that have happened to Caroloop over the last call it five years, most of it centers around our team and our people and just the incredible individuals that have brought all of their, their talents and their passions to the cause. And the really fortuitous moments where they came into the story and how they came into the story and, and now how they've joined the cause and how they're, they're really helping to propel Caroloop forward. So again, there's probably about a dozen that I could spout out. I won't go through all of them, but just how lucky we are and, and how positive it's been to watch this team evolve and how much focus we've put on culture. Um, really because we believe that if you're going to go out there and set an example for how caregivers and parents and how they should be supported with a platform like ours, um, one of our higher callings and goals and aspirations as far as the work we're doing is also to set an example for healthcare in general. It's not just about setting an example for how we support caregivers and parents, we're also trying to make sure that the healthcare industry knows that this is an example that you should be following for how you take care of your own people. And again, like that's when I think of the positive things that have happened and all the work we're doing, it's that linkage between kind of the, the foundational aspects of our culture and how we hope that will permeate itself into the healthcare industry and, and really show up in the way that, you know, executive and leadership teams in the healthcare space think about taking care of their people. You've lived by the mantra of, of good leadership and giving back to the community from the beginning, literally from the beginning. First time I met you, you weren't there to consume, but to be part of and co-lead the entrepreneurial ecosystem in healthcare in, in, in our region. And um, that takes a lot while you're running a startup and you're doing all sorts of other things. But on the other hand, it left no doubt in people's minds that you're there to move the dial and that you're not going right. to duck when something doesn't go right. Now, if you were to narrow it down, do you have any advice to give along the way um, to any new entrepreneurs, how, how to find good advisors, good people to listen to, uh, find the fit for them? Yeah. So just, I mean, 
quick unpack those separately, the who's in my life and along the care loop journey that have been so impactful. And then the advice to, to founders to, to how to think about it, because um, that this has also been a learning along the way is how to get the right people on the bus, you know, if you're using a good grid analogy, like versus, you know, making sure you've got the wrong ones off of it. So, I mean, we've been very blessed to have a incredible board of directors and a lot of incredible advisors, part of, you know, the care loop unit. So, you know, Dr. Michael Stoltz and Dr. Wendy Whittington and Michael Gorton, who was the founding CEO of Teladoc. And even just having raised series A this past year, like having, you know, Patterson Toma and uh, the Casey Rise Fund and Revolution, you know, Steve Case and his group in Washington, D.C. Like there's been a lot of incredible people, but we've had amazing angel investors along the way as well. So yourself included, GPG, uh, you know, there's a gentleman up in Chicago who's been an incredible mentor for me by the name of Mark Kendall, uh, who comes from the employee benefit space as a fellow entrepreneur. Like, and I'll never forget the first conversation I had with him and just I could see how our values and our vision really lined up. So I use that as a segue just to say that uh, some of the early lessons with finding great board members, great advisors, great mentors is first making sure that you really can articulate aloud what you and your company and your brand stand for, because that is what's going to attract the right board members, mentors, advisors. And so like as we were able to refine that, especially post pivot, suddenly now you can really focus on the right types of people that it might not even be the right types of experiences or the industry they came from, but they just line up with you and your personal and company values. And they're going to be there in the best of times. And they're going to be there to understand when things aren't going right in the worst of times. And either way, they're going to be able to support you. You know, a lot of, a lot of the network effect that was created for our board and our advisors stems back to an incredible program like health wildcatters. It was going through health wildcatters that I met you and green park and golf ventures and that's what led me to Corbett Capital. And that's what led me to Montgomery, Kasha, and Greilich. And it, it, it builds from there. It's always, if I think of all these mentors and advisors and board members I mentioned, it, there was five other connections or introductions that had to happen before that. And it was me telling that story over and over again about what we stand for and what we believe. And they would think to themselves, I know someone that would be great that you really should talk to. And then it's having the organization and just the, the persistence to follow through with it and see it through to the end. So for me, it was never as easy as just sit in Starbucks and hope you meet the right people. It was a lot of work and a lot of organization of just making sure that you're seeing this all the way through. So like Michael Gordon came from Health Wildcatters. Dr. Stoltz came from Health Wildcatters. Dr. Whittington came from Michael Gordon. Uh, revolution came from Michael Gordon and Trey Bowles here in Dallas. Like, yeah, you can see it's, it builds on itself. So right. I'd say just be really intentional with uh, relationships. And like you said, Hubert, and I appreciate the compliment. Come to the table, willing to help. Like that's where it starts. Yeah. Um, that's well, that's exactly how people knew you. And they knew you as the person running health to Dallas, which is a completely volunteer driven type of uh, exercise. And, um, and it needs to be true and honest, not a self-promotionary uh, type of thing. Good things happen when you put yourself out there. And and, and I certainly believe in the, the two or three hit theory. So you run into so-and-so here and then you hear about them there and it builds credibility. But in order to do that, you've got to be out there with, with real true, honest efforts in something that uh, isn't just a gimmick. And so that's, that's really important. You 
need to be out there and, and keep building and it's, it's there for the taking. Sometimes people do believe I sign into the accelerator and all these things will happen. And, and while there is education and there's access and there's certainly a, a Goldilocks time period when you can ask anyone anything, uh, eventually uh, you have to produce something that people want to follow. And, um, but that network is, remains there for as long as there is a startup. Uh, and I, I venture to guess that some of the people you have connected with, you didn't connect during the three months of the program, but rather later or through other interactions, you were also active in the alumni community of Help Walk Hatters um, as a mentor in other ways. You're you're describing it, I suppose, exactly as I would also describe it. So maybe in that vein, yes. But it's 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 ironic the timing of what you're saying, Hebrew, because you know here we are, we're recording without knowing when you're going to post this. Like it's a it's January sixth on my watch, ladies and gentlemen. And on January second, I had a an image pop up on my iPhone, Hebrew, of January second, 2014, the day after New Year's, and I was at the tech church working, and I was there because this was right after we had graduated Health Wildcatters in November of 13. I had been working all through Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and the holidays. And I was just so eager to get back to work in 2014 and keep up the momentum. And Health Wildcatters, I associated with a great place to do it, to meet people and to make those connections and to put in the work. So I think you're exactly right. Like it's accelerators create um, a hub of, resources and services and, and people that really want to surround them themselves put themselves around you to help you but you got to be the one to show up and and really put two and two together to make four on your founder's story you know obviously you've, you've alluded to the fact that you're a bit more grown up than what we mentioned earlier and um, uh, we appreciate obviously that that you're willing to come on the podcast because we were there very early and this isn't really where you are anymore but can you talk a little bit about where the company is today? And I mean, it is 2021 where, where you see it going in, in, in the next three to five years or whatever time period you want to venture to um, speculate on or tell us about. Yeah. So again, I mentioned earlier on, like back to the question about the positive things. I always tend to start with, you know, our team and our culture and our people. I mean, so just this week we had team members uh, 39 through 45 start. Wow. So we're expecting that even by the end of this year, we're going to be somewhere between 70 and 80 people, uh, just given the amount of growth that we're experiencing. Um, so where we're at now, something I missed in the pivot was, was that a big learning that we had was really, and you, you've alluded to this, that we were in the more B2C space that we saw through some of that early beta testing and that early market entry that there was this huge opportunity in the employee benefit space. So in 2017, 2016, 2017, we entered the kind of B2B corporate wellness and employee benefits arena. And so now we're working with, I think it's uh, about 225,000 employee lives now is like where we're at. Um, so that represents about 80 or 90 companies, I think we've got that now is corporate clients. Uh, and the pipeline just from this past year, especially given COVID and uh, all the work that companies are trying to do to support their caregivers and the parents that are struggling with work from home and everything else going on in their lives with family. Uh, the pipeline over the next year is rather robust and it's going to drive a lot of growth to the company as well. 
So you're asking about the next three to five years. I mean, uh, I'd say our leadership team has that eyeball on a, on a million members, like really being focused on how do we reach that first million caregivers and parents that need us. So uh, there's going to be a lot of work between now and then to get there, but uh, we're really excited about that. So uh, one of the things just to, to mention that it's really, you know, again, taking it back to people, um, you know, something that we're most proud of is, is that we, we're starting to get really recognized as the best place to work. And so I uh, would love to think that we're, you know, competing on the, the inks and the Forbes and the, you know, fast company list this year, just to really demonstrate again, this lesson to the healthcare space about you can create a culture and a model like this, and it really can work. So as we're looking ahead to the next couple of years, that's something that we're really excited about as well. Anything you want to add to that um, people should know or you want to leave them with um, today? I just would double down on what I was mentioning before. And this is actually an early failure of Steve and I's from getting the company started. Even going through Health Wildcatters was really missing out on the opportunity in the early days to make sure that we were in tune with Caroloop's purpose and our vision and like really defining and articulating the cause. Like I know you could, you remember me up in that stage and I was, I had that pitch down, but I, I hadn't, I, we had skipped some steps there. We had missed the opportunity to really flush out and define our mission, our vision, our values, what we stood for. And I think especially in, in healthcare, digital health, well-being, it's about taking care of people. That's why we all are getting into this to start companies that ultimately make the world a better place. So make sure you take that time to really understand that because that is what you want to start your investor pitches with and what you want to start your customer pitches with. And that's what you want to share with people when you're recruiting and building your team is what you stand for. So just my advice would be always to start with that. Make sure that you're not jumping straight to building a product and getting out there to sell it. Make sure you understand why you're doing it. Um, thank you for your time, and I look forward to seeing the company growing and having a, a, tr a tremendous impact. We talked today with Michael Walsh, founder and CEO of CareLoop, a digital caregiver support company. That's uh, right. Obviously, it's based right here in Dallas as well. Um, thank you for your time. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Hubert. Thanks for having me.